Hurry up, your favorite show's about to start. Grab a Capri Sun, some Dunkaroos, and settle in for another episode of The Millennial Movie Club. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Millennial Movie Club. Today we're going to discuss The Princess Diaries. Really good, Julie Andrews. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> like I was really talking to her. Hi, I'm Dan. And when I was a kid, I had a bowl cut like most strange young boys. And I wanted a mushroom cut where you shaved the sides of your head to the skin. And my mom wouldn't let me do it. And I think that was probably for the best. Okay, so we're giving her a little credit. All the kudos. My name is Jazz. And when I was a kid, I had a lot of dark body hair. So when... <laughs> I really wanted to shave my arms, but I was afraid to ask. So one day I took my mom's razor and just shaved like a little square. And of course my mom noticed and she was like, did you shave your arm? And I was like, no. Actually, I just hit the shower caddy and it just fell through the air, like did a couple of little flips and then just like hit my arm and shaved that little piece. And then it fell down and she was like, okay, no, that's not what happened. <laughs> Is it believable that you shaved one of those cool S's in your arm? Too? <laughs> super <laughs> it just S. just fell down and did the super yeah. S. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could do them pretty fast. So yeah. Crazy. And uh, anyway, from that point on, she shaved the majority of my body for me until I was old enough to do it myself. So thanks, Mom. Mom, appreciation. Speaking of these absolute queens in our lives, we're going to be talking today about a movie that some might say royally blows and other might say was Fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've never seen this movie before. I watched it for the first time today. I do feel like I recognized a bunch of scenes, though. I'd say this film is pretty deeply ingrained in pop culture. As you might notice, it's just me and Dan today. The classic duo. Me and Jazz against the world, as it was always meant to be. And it's not because we couldn't get a guest <laughs> for the day, just so you know. It's just because sometimes we just wanted to be like the good old days, aka like four weeks ago. And <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Days of yore. Yeah, sometimes simple is best, just going back to your roots and tapping into the, the magic. So shall we set the scene? Absolutely. I would love to. The description of this movie reads, Shy San Francisco teenager Mia Thermopolis is thrown for a loop when from out of the blue, she learns the astonishing news that she's a real-life princess. As the heir apparent to the crown of the small European principality of Genovia, Mia begins a comical journey toward the throne when her strict and formidable grandmother, Queen Clarice Rinaldi, shows up to give her princess lessons. Perfect. This sounds like it's been done before. I mean, I guess like you could say it's like a My Fair Lady-esque kind of story, but not with the royalty tied in. I also can't think of another movie where it's like a teenager's faced with the decision to rule a country where it will cease to exist. Like, that's some high-stakes shit. That's true. Yeah, I would like to see maybe a more adult version of this movie where she has to, like, think about the political consequences and the moral back and forth. I mean, I don't think they need to go into that for this movie, but that would be pretty interesting. Yeah, fun fact, this movie was inspired by a book and was originally supposed to have the same name as the book, which is called The Princess of Tribeca, and it was set in New York. Meg Cabot was the author of the original book series, but producers eventually decided to set the film in San Francisco, and we just went 
a different direction. It looks awesome. Every movie in San Francisco, like whether it be, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire or anything, makes me want to live in San Francisco, besides pushing those scooters up those hills. Scenic and dangerous. All right. So this movie is directed by Gary Marshall, who's just a total legend. He wrote for The Lucy Show, The Dick Van Dyke Show. He developed The Odd Couple for television. He created Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mindy. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, he's all over the place. He directed Overboard, Pretty Woman, Runaway Bride, and he did all these movies. So he's like a a huge heavy hitter. Uh, This cast is kind of stacked. Yeah, big time. I forgot how stacked it was until this watch. Yeah. Stars Anne Hathaway. It gave us Anne Hathaway as the first movie. She's from Deborah Wars Prada, Ella Enchanted, The Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar. Uh, She just went on to become a huge A-list actor. And it makes sense. I mean, she crushes this role. She's so charming and really good. She absolutely nailed it. And it was kind of like just her natural disposition that got her the role. I mean, originally, you know, this was her first film role. And I think initially they were probably looking for a bigger name they offered the role originally to Juliette Lewis and she turned it down afterwards the studio approached the likes of Kirsten Dunst Alicia Silverstone Jessica Biel Claire Danes who honestly are like I don't see them being awkward like how do you make them super awkward these are how do you make Jessica Biel seriously not gonna happen she was cast after one audition without even doing a screen test. She won the producers over by accidentally falling off of her chair during her audition. <laughs> so they were like, ah, uh, yeah, that's it. That works. And then we've got legend Julie Andrews from The Sound of Music, Mary Poppins, of course. And she is great in this. The way those two work together in this movie, there's just so much chemistry. Seamless. And then we've got Mandy Moore as this total jerk. She sucks. She's horrible. So we know Mandy Moore from releasing So Real in 1999 that went platinum with the song Candy, oh, of course. yeah. What a fucking yeah. banger. Pops galore. And yet they made her sing like the dumbest fucking song ever, ever in this movie. It's but whatever. Yeah, she's got a good performance of it, but God, that, yeah, it's just terrible. We know her from Walk to Remember, Tangled, Saved. Uh, then we've got Sandra Oh from Killing Eve. We've got Caroline Goodall, which was Peter's wife in Hook. And I kept thinking like, where do I know this woman from? Oh, Right. I didn't even put two and two together. So true. Um, And then we've got maybe my favorite performance is Larry Miller, the father in 10 Things I Hate About You. He's just hilarious the whole time. Paolo, hair and makeup transformation artist. (laughs) He does a great job. Eric Von Detten, he was that kind of heartthrob from Brink. He was also Sid in Toy Story. He was such a major heartthrob in the 90s and then just vanished. Yeah. I don't know what happened. What happened to those kids? (laughs) What happened to that kid? So the last one I want to talk about is Robert Schwartzman, who plays Michael, the love interest who she ends up with. And I was like, man, that looks a lot like Jason Schwartzman. Of course, it's Jason Schwartzman's brother. Mm -hmm. Also not really believable that like, you know, he's playing music and they're like, wow, he's so hunky. I was like, I don't know, man. He looks a lot like Jason Schwartzman. Right. And then he's the lead singer from the band Rooney. That's what I was going to say. He literally is a hunky front man of a band. Except when they're... Showing him playing that piano. Those are not piano chords. He's just Absolutely s- not. And it's covered in M&Ms. <laughs> I don't just know what the point of that pounding M&Ms was. into a keyboard. Yeah. yeah. Back in the day when American Eagle put out like a soundtrack of summer CD, better believe Rooney was on there. Absolutely. I love Rooney. Yeah. Did you talk about Hector Elizondo? Real last one. Uh, Hector Elizondo. 
Why am I saying it? Hector like that? <laughs> Alizondo. <laughs> that stand in the episode. God. Oh, he just got so, so wrapped up in the heat of his character. I saw the accent on the E and I just panicked. <laughs> um, Hector Alizondo is in Pretty Woman. He just does such a great job. I just love Joe. Yeah. So he plays Joe, like the main bodyguard of Julie Andrews. He has appeared in every single film that Gary Marshall has directed. And that includes roles in Pretty Woman, Runaway Bride, Raising Helen. And he's wow. also the reason we can attribute that line that's no one can make you feel inferior without your consent where he quotes Eleanor Roosevelt he put that line in himself which is pretty impressive he's great yeah so kind of just like a stacked cast and I just feel like everyone is great in it I don't think that there's really a bad performance the people that you're supposed to hate you really really hate them and the the people that you're supposed to like you really really love them so they were doing what they set out to do in the style that it was meant to be done the actress Kathleen Marshall who plays Charlotte, who is the queen's secretary, is the daughter of the director. Oh, nepotism. That's cool. That never happens in Hollywood. It's like seeing a comet go by. Only once every several years. Blink and you'll miss it, yeah. Also, Whitney Houston was one of the film's three producers. What? Yeah, and she also produced the sequel. <laughs> Good for her. Okay. Why don't we get a Whitney Houston song in the fucking soundtrack? She's probably like, I'll produce this, but I'm not going to fucking debase myself. Somebody probably was like, Whitney, sign this. If someone were to ask me to produce this movie, I would do it in a second. It just seems like such a no-brainer hit. Like, of course it's going to be. Disney, about princesses. I guess we don't know at this point in like 2004 that people are so obsessed with princesses, but I think it's pretty obvious. I think we do know from like every Disney movie before oh, that. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> I was thinking more of like the Frozen kind of princess craze, but oh. of course, every every Disney movie is Yeah, that was pretty much movie. just a continuation of yeah. <laughs> every true. Disney movie ever made. Well, um, well, maybe we'll cut that one you out. You tried. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, while we figured this was pretty much like a a no-brainer success, and granted, it was. I think, like, it found its audience, without a doubt. It's a 68% audience meter. It is a 49% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I got to say, a lot of the reviewers, it was either they hated it or they were like, yeah, it's fine. Like, it's lovely. It's just gonna, it's a lovely Disney movie. That's what it is. I'm really curious to see what people hate about it. Well, I'm about to tell your ass. Okay. <laughs> to be 100% honest, I was coming into this movie like thinking that I was gonna hate it, and I didn't. I was really expecting you to get on here and be like, I've hated no, I hated that. It doesn't do enough to make you hate it. You're just like, I watched it. And talked about it for two hours <laughs> on the podcast. Maybe you'll hate it after this. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> So yeah, we've got some reviews lined up for you folks, and we will start with Daphne Gordon of the Toronto Star, who writes, even if the parents in the audience roll their eyes at this movie's flimsy plot, clumsy dialogue, and unbelievable characters, young girls will no doubt fall for the fantasy. And that's pretty much right on the nose. What's flimsy about it? I didn't think it was flimsy. It's just a skeleton plot that doesn't necessarily go very deep on anything it brings up, but it's, I don't think it's a flimsy plot. Our good friend Roger Ebert was not a fan. He didn't like it. One and a half stars wrote, haven't I seen this movie before? The Princess Diaries is a march through the swamp of recycled ugly duckling stories with occasional pauses in the marsh of sitcom cliches and the bog of idiot plots. (laughs) As the princess... 
As the princess diaries creeps from one painfully obvious plot destination to another, we wait impatiently for the characters on screen to arrive at what has long been clear to the audience. If the movie is determined to be this dim-witted, couldn't it at least move a little more quickly? The metronome is set too slow as if everyone is acting and thinking in halftime. God, I love you, Roger Ebert. <sighs> yeah, which I guess is true. And maybe that's what they mean by like, the whole movie is completely predictable, right? It is. And we just have to sort of sit through a lot of rigmarole to get to the point that we know is coming all along, which is she's going to become a better princess and eventually say yes to taking on the crown. You know that the second the movie starts. So meanwhile, over in Amazon land, mostly people just thought it was super lame. Either they were like, yeah, this movie was fun for my childhood, or they were like, no. This reviewer, Mama A, writes, not for preteens. Not rated G. For the record, it is rated G. The very beginning of the movie has teenagers kissing all over and at a high school in front of everyone. Total. Also, I should mention that a lot of these words are capitalized for no reason. So teenagers kissing is capitalized. (laughs) And she writes, total public display of affection. Not cap locks, but like public is capital P, capital D, capital A. (laughs) If you don't want your little girls learning how to kiss, do not watch this movie. What a weird thing. Do people care about whether a kiss is happening in public? Right. Like, Mama A, do you not kiss your husband or your slovenly boyfriend in front of your daughters? <laughs> like, Yeah, I mean, like, wouldn't it be even more appropriate than, like, having them kiss in a bedroom? I don't know. I even wrote a note that was like, there is a moment where, like, Mandy Moore and the hot dude Josh are making out. But I wouldn't even call that making out. Like I was like, oh, they have so Disney-fied this makeout sesh. It's like not even open mouth kissing. It's just like a series of pecks in a row. And it's very awkward looking, but clearly toned down for a rated G movie. Yes. But what kind of like, also it's like, this is not for preteens, meaning a 12-year-old shouldn't see this movie. Right. Right. I don't... Whatever, Mama A. Whatever, Mama A. So shall we dive on into the plot? Absolutely. Obviously, this movie is set in San Francisco. We open on a beautiful shot of the Golden Gate Bridge with a very presidential-looking police-escorted limo driving through town. This movie was shot in a variety of places. Obviously, San Francisco. Also, the Genovian Consulate, which was filmed at Mount St. Mary's University in California. And then it was also filmed on stage two at the Walt Disney Studios in California, which is also the same stage on which Mary Poppins was filmed. So Julie Andrews got to go back to the very same stage. It has since been named the Julie Andrews stage. Coincidentally, Anne would later star in The Devil Wears Prada with Emily Blunt, who then would play Mary Poppins in the remake. Wow, it's all connected. Very full circle. We cut to Mia Thermopolis. She's getting ready for school with her cat, Fat Louie. Fun fact. Sorry, I'm really shoving them in here. Fun fact, Fat Louie was played by four different cats. One of them was Anne Hathaway's actual cat. I love those cats. They're so funny. They're so fat. And... Man, like talk about the trope of single mom who just kind of like marches to the beat of her own drum because we like, (laughs) you know, we see 
Mia's getting ready to leave the house for school and it's like she walks down a painted spiral staircase and then hops on a fire pole into this like massive artist loft that's a renovated firehouse <laughs> and her mom's an artist and it's like first of all you don't have a renovated firehouse in the heart of San Francisco just from throwing no. darts at some water balloons <laughs> So in my mind, I think I automatically assumed, because I didn't remember, that she was the daughter of Julie Andrews, because I was like, oh, she's got fucking Genovian royalty money. Like, that's got to be how they right. live the way they live. Well, but, in a way, she must have some Genovian royalty money, because she's got to be receiving some child payments. From a dead guy? Don't you still have to, I mean, doesn't his estate still need to- Maybe until his kid's 18 or something? I would have thought so. Mia's just a regular kid who lives in a firehouse <laughs> with an artist mom, and who's also like a best friend and she's headed to school on her cool scooter we approach the school we like immediately get a sense of the hierarchy we've got mandy moore with her friends who naturally have rhyming names with her so obviously immediately Mm -hmm. popular we've got the fucking hot dude from brink jesus and like his amazing Mm -hmm. hair i still don't really understand how it works that hair is it just like dripping and it's a lot of gel yeah or or not even gel but like what is that other stuff that guys put in their hair it's like sculpting clay um, yeah yeah or whatever that is it's got a lot of that but he's got like perfectly dirty blonde hair oh yeah the highlights are spot on we meet her bff lily who also clearly is kind of an outcast has a style all her own that usually includes a lot of butterfly clips which i support i don't know how much longer i could not talk about this i hate lily oh yeah she's the fucking worst in this whole movie she's terrible but that's one person okay so that's one person that you're supposed to like and you don't correct and like i hate her more than i hate mandy moore i hate her way more than i hate mandy moore yeah like mandy moore is like upfront about the fact that she's a bully she's like i'm a mean girl this is what i do she's not like i'm a gaslighting best friend yes she is the worst Lily wins for her worst friend ever. She just takes advantage of her, and I thought maybe there was a chance by the end she would shed her shitty best friend and find somebody different, but... Of course not. Mandy Moore and Hawkeye are dating, as I mentioned, some Disney-appropriate making out, and we kind of find that Mia is also totally obsessed with him. Obviously, who's not? And we get all these little, like, moments in her mind where they're actually making out. Yeah, that was kind of confusing to me watching it. They don't do, like, a super great job of saying that this is not really happening. Right. All of a sudden, he's just, like, <laughs> scrub style yes it is we cut to debate class the kids are having a debate she goes up against hawkeye and she just runs out of the room and throws up it's clear that she's somebody who's pretty invisible like people sit on her but i think in a way she kind of likes being invisible because it's just easier that way of course she works at a rock climbing gym (laughs) as you do as you do mom shows up to just go for a little climb and it's just like oh by the way your grandma called Mia's like, this is the first time she's ever contacted us. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I don't understand. Like, just because the father decided that he needed to go be the Prince of Genovia, does that really mean that his mother can't talk to her granddaughter? They mentioned later he just sends her a birthday gift every year. You know, I get that the mom didn't want to sort of like get sucked into a Princess Diana lifestyle. And I guess 
they wanted to like protect Mia and give her a normal life. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, they lie about everything. So I guess that's why he couldn't actually see her is because then it would probably be pretty obvious that he's a prince of another country. Yeah, but they kind of half-ass it, right? I mean, you can either be in this person's life, which I don't personally see the big deal about, but if you think it's a, a liability, whatever, or just say he died and never talk about right. him. But you get like gifts, then it's kind of like the worst of both worlds because it's like this person sends me a gift and he doesn't even talk to me. Right. My own dad is alive somewhere and for whatever reason, he refuses to ever see me. Yeah. I mean, she's remarkably well adjusted for that kind of harsh truth about her. Yeah. And I get that they're trying to protect her from the truth, I guess. But I would say it's more damaging to think that your dad's just out there and refusing to see you. I would rather have the reason. Because then you think there's something wrong with you. Right. Of course. Exactly. And I mean, granted, she obviously grew up with a ton of self-esteem issues, probably linked to that. But we get some background information here. She says like, is this the first time she's ever contacted us? Isn't she the one who made you get divorced? We find out that her dad has passed away and her grandma did not approve of the marriage. Well, at least that's what we are told at this point. So Mia goes after school to meet her grandma the first the first time at the Genovian consulate. It's like a massive mansion. I just love that she's like cutting across the lawn and there's that voice that comes over and it's like, get off the grass! And then says it in like five other languages. If you don't want people on the grass, like maybe just a little sign or even just the recording to be like, please refrain from walking right. on the grass. Because once someone's on the grass, it's already too late. So you need to do preventative measures instead of like remediation. I would agree. She just looks very awkward in this environment. Goddess Julie Andrews comes descending down the stairs. They sit down for some tea and grandma reveals, you are princess of Genovia. <laughs> and since her father died, she is now the heir to the throne. Man, I just feel like this is news that almost every little girl would love to get. But she freaks the fuck out and literally runs out of the place. I was like, girl, what is wrong with you? Yeah, there's this whole thing throughout this whole movie where somehow this can possibly not be a good thing. You know, that people will pick on me or something. It's like, what are you talking about? You're a princess. Also, like, your life sucks. Yeah, right. Are you cool with how it is right now? Or do you want to change? I mean, you got a sick bedroom and everything, but that's kind of it. Right. You got a fat cat. He's a great cat. And Julie Andrews looks fucking amazing. She is absolutely stunning. She just is the picture of grace and class and uh, the woman is pure magic. Royalty. She's an absolute queen, literally and figuratively in this movie. (laughs) Mia gets home. Mom is in deep shit for hiding it. And in her defense, mom's defense, I kind of get it. Like she met this dude in college, got pregnant and was like, I don't want to do the whole Princess Diana thing. I don't want to be like, I think she says, one step behind this man for the rest of my life. Like, I just want to live my own life and do my art. It's like Meghan Markle. She like got raked through the coals. I don't want that. Yeah. So I get it. But I guess Mia's still pissed and she does not want to be the princess of a country. But we find out that if she does not take over the throne, the whole country will cease to exist, which just seems like that can't be how a monarchy works. It's definitely not. I don't get why this is all the sudden a problem. Well, okay, so we learned this later, but her dad died two months ago. Oh, right. Okay, that makes more sense. So they held out hope that he was going to like have another kid, I guess? I don't know, or just rule much longer. And then once she became of age, they said they were planning on telling her when she turned 18. I see. But she's 
still only 15 and they like have to tell her because the dad died. So the whole existence of this country, I guess, depends on a 15 year old girl. I kind of like that. She like runs upstairs to her, they call it the tower. And I'm like, oh, she's like a princess in a tower. Ah, there you go. Rapunzel style. Seems like mom and grandma make perfectly nice, which I think just promotes the fact that like she didn't force them to divorce. I think that's kind of just the cover story. It was really more like he had to make the decision to go back and rule and that was his call because like they don't seem to have any bad blood between them. No, there's just so much unnecessary cover up. I'm really glad that it wasn't like Julie Andrews sucks the whole time. <sighs> and like then she finally becomes nice. Like she's she's cool the whole time. Even in her moments where they're like, you're being very hard on her. It's like she's not even being that mean. She's not being that mean. And also she's like, oh, right. I think I am. Right. <laughs> right. She's not like nonsense. She she needs to learn. Like, she's just like, right. ah, yes, you're right. There isn't a ton of conflict in this movie, to be honest. Ah, uh, like, no. Just internal conflict, for the yeah. most part. And the fucked up best friend, but... That's the biggest conflict. Fuck that girl. Just hate her. So, basically, they make an agreement that Mia will attend princess lessons until the Genovian Independence Day ball, and then she will decide what to do. The Genovian Independence Day ball, which happens in America. Crazy. <laughs> Yeah, what the fuck is that about? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe exclusively because that's where the princess lives and that's where she's going to make her decision. Oh, oh, that makes sense. I was just thinking like, it's like if we had 4th of July in England or something. Right, like, like why the fuck would we do that? <laughs> Everyone in Genovia is like, the queen. Why is the queen in America for Independence Day? Well, we're not as independent as we thought, turns out. Yeah. I also wonder who Genovia won their independence from. I don't know. How big is this place? It's between France and Spain is that doesn't make sense geographically super no and so Genovia is a small country between France and Spain and they are known for their pears which Julie Andrews is responsible for that for Genovia's pear obsession when the director was doing some character work with her and was just like asking her questions about this country Julie Andrews said well I think they'd grow beautiful pears and the nuns would probably make lace and so they had pears and lace all over the set. They've got to have some type of export or else it doesn't, it, it doesn't really make sense. No one will believe this is a country if we don't have a national <laughs> fruit. Right. It's more like they have a ton of oil. Right. right. That's not Disney appropriate. So yeah, so that's the skinny on Genovia. Until then, the Queen's bodyguard, Joseph, bodyguard and lover? Bodyguard, lover, driver. He's a he's a jack of all trades. He's now sort of in charge of escorting Mia everywhere, sort of being the royal babysitter. So she and Lily are headed to school. Lily looks absolutely fucking insane. And they're like walking up this hill with their scooters and Lily's complaining that she has to have dinner with her dad this is this is the scene where i was like oh i fucking hate you lily's <laughs> complaining about having dinner with her dad because i guess they have nothing to talk about and mia's like well at least your dad's still alive and lily's like whoa i thought you were over that it's been like two months already yeah i was like what that is such an insensitive horrible thing to say so like two months is not a long time no there's really no amount of time that anyone's ever going to be over that also that comment can be relevant forever you don't have to be like correct that hurt about 
your dad dying for you to make that comment. It's still relevant. Right. Like, at least you have a dad who wants to spend time with you. She's trying to make you appreciate your dad, you stupid asshole. Also, like, your best friend's dad just died. Why are you going to bitch to her about having to hang out with your dad? Like, that's something I'm so acutely aware of in life. Right. Oh, I just hate her. Yeah, she's the fucking worst. This is just, like, the first instance of her being a terrible human being. Many more to come. So we go to the auto repair store to meet up with Lily's brother, Michael, who has been staring at Mia longingly throughout the entire film. It should not be that unclear to Mia that this guy is in love with her. Anyway, she like has this old Mustang that she's getting fixed up and he is going to help do it and it's going to be $400. To get a 66 Mustang working, I think that sounds really fair. Reasonable. Yeah, pretty fair. Yeah. But of course, grandma will help. Speaking of, we have our first lesson, our first princess lesson with Julie Andrews and it's not going well, obviously, because then the movie would be over. So... <laughs> Just a lot of like trying to get the posture right and the sitting right and the and like tying her to the chair so she doesn't lean over. Ties her to a chair to try and learn how to eat. We just are gonna have like montage after montage in this movie. Have you ever seen Little Nemo? Little Nemo. It was an animated movie that when I was a kid, I thought everyone saw it because I saw it so many times. And then when I got older, I realized that not that many people have seen it. And it's very much like this. Is it any relation to Finding Nemo? No, it's an unfortunate coincidence. (laughs) Is it about fish? It is about a boy who goes to Slumberland and becomes a prince. Ooh, okay. Let us know if you've ever heard of this movie or watched this movie. They've got the same montage where it's like, you've got to learn some etiquette if you want to be a prince. And then he's like (laughs) slurping soup and stuff. It's perfect. It's the same thing. Okay. Well, if anybody else knows about Little Nemo out there, let us know. Just text me and let's hang out. She gets home. You know, this stuff isn't easy. And of course, the mom goes to the parent-teacher conference and decides she's going to date one of Mia's teachers. I was like, dude, couldn't you have like, I don't know, maybe not done this right now? Like your kid's going through a lot. You're going to start dating her teacher she seems like a free spirit who doesn't really know how to be a mom that well so she's more of like a friend mom i think she's cool right like even when mia's like hey this is gonna make my existence at school really hard like i don't want you to do that i was expecting her to be like you're right what was i thinking instead she's like he's a really nice guy and i think i'm gonna do it anyway she's like bella's mom dating that minor leader fucking i mean i get it like get yours but get yours not the expense of your kid or like date him in private for a little bit just to see if it's even gonna work right yeah you could just do that yeah wait till she decides whether or not she's gonna be princess of a country before you put one more thing on her plate yeah this is the most important decision she's gonna make now she has to worry about you and your stupid boyfriend i mean Goo. Whatever. anyway we had a cover of itty bitty pretty one by aaron carter <laughs> yeah yes, well my man. poor aaron carter we get a dance lesson with joe which leads to a very seductive dance between joe and julie i did not see that coming i did see it coming but not in such an abrupt way. Like I thought maybe we'd catch little glimpses here and there, like an accidental brush of fingers to be like, oh, there's chemistry here. He literally strolls up to this woman, gets very close to her face and says, you've been wearing black for too long, which I assume means she's been mourning her dead husband for too long without getting some D. That's what that means. I totally, I couldn't figure out what that meant. Okay. And she's just like, you are right. As opposed to being like, you're my employee. Yeah, there's not that much subtlety in any of this stuff. Like what if someone sees 
Jesus. For all the sensitivities around this whole thing, she can be like fucking the driver and that's okay. I guess like because she's in America, it doesn't fucking matter because nobody knows anything about Genovia because it's not real. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> it's not real. People are like, that's just an old lady. She could do whatever she wants and not worry about publicity. But as soon as everybody finds out that Mia's the princess of Genovia, it's like a big fucking deal and she's in all the newspapers. So like, I don't know, but she goes for it. Which also, that was not even written in the script originally. Those two actors basically created that plot line for themselves. No way. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. They really liked each other. And they just wanted to spice things up. Maybe you should keep it to yourself. Maybe have an off-screen romance if you want. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, I do think it's kind of cute. It is. It's abrupt. And it, it also is not like, there's not a journey with it. Like, I would have liked to see more of a journey and let it grow as opposed to just being like, hello, I'm making a move on you. And then like throughout, he's like still her driver and employee. But then there are moments where they're romantic again. And then they're, you know, it's just like, where is this going? Well, and it's also one of those things where you think that you've jumped into the middle of something. It can't be the first time he's ever done this. Right. And so... No Why way. Why would just take that opportunity to make it the first time he's ever made a move? Because that's more interesting instead of being like, it's been like this for a while. Because then it really doesn't make a difference. Right, correct. Then we super don't care. We're just like, oh, you're fucking your driver. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess it, it makes her seem more of a, a regular person than we know yet. Like she, she has her own wants and desires and she is kind of an oddball in a way. Yeah, and I think we like see more and more of her human side throughout, which I think is the point where it's like they're kind of yes. doing the revolve of like Mia's becoming more princessy and she's remembering what it's like to be a normal person. I get it. But again, I just feel like it was kind of clumsily thrown in there and not like super well developed. <laughs> yeah. Next day at Princess Lessons, Paolo arrives, aka Kat and Bianca Stratford's dad. He is so funny. Yeah. The whole time. He's so Oh, inappropriate the whole time. But it's time yeah. for a princess transformation montage. We're plucking eyebrows, which, by the way, her eyebrows took about an hour to apply. Each tiny hair had to be individually glued in place. I was going to ask if that was her real eyebrows because they're very believable. No, I wish. They're very believable. So we're plucking eyebrows. We're doing hair. We're cucumbers on the eyeballs, painting her nails. We're doing all the things. And then we have the classic moment where she's sitting behind two really unfortunate pictures of herself and he says only Paolo gonna take this and this and give you a princess she is just also like so stunning looking you know they talk about like a movie star look it's not just that someone's like really pretty it's like arresting to look at them and I feel like Anne Hathaway has that she's got that like crazy big mouth like splits her whole face you know the standard stuff that nice looking people <laughs> Massive features. They, they all look like the Joker. Her mouth could split her whole head in half. <laughs> you know, pretty. Looks like a Lord of the Rings villain. <laughs> so the next day, she picks up Lily and Michael for school in the limo, and she looks so cute. And of course, Michael's like totally swooning, and Lily is being such a fucking coont. The first thing she says is, who destroyed you? What? are you talking about? She's just like ripping her to shreds until the point where she's crying. And it made me so mad. It's one thing, let's say that they really did screw up her makeover. 
you still don't say that because you're a good friend. No. But they didn't. They made her look amazing. And you're just trying to like knock her down a peg or two because you're unhappy with your own. That's really what it is. Shitty situation. And like, I feel like, I mean, I can't say we all did, but I definitely had friends in high school that turned on me and just, they just want you to stay at their level. You know, like when you start to do anything remotely good, whether, I mean, in this case, it's physical, whether it's academic, whether it's whatever, there are always going to be people that want you to just stay where they are. So they're just going to keep like knocking you down and making it seem like when you do something great, it's not cool. Ugh, she's so cruel to her. That's just being a bad friend. I know that everyone has those tendencies. Like you can feel something bubbling up like that. That's the difference between a good friend and a bad friend. That's somebody who's completely self-involved and insecure. And it's like, okay, you doing this with your life, let's think about how it impacts me as opposed to like what you're going through. Egotistical, yeah. Yeah. And I just love how kind of fatherly and protective Joe is over her. That's when he gives her the Eleanor Roosevelt quote, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent, which kind of like bolsters her a little bit and she like actually pushes back and is like well just because your hair sucks <laughs> doesn't mean <laughs> I was like whoa okay and even in the next scene when she like theoretically redeems herself by saying like I think it looks great I still was like I think you're actually just making this about yourself in a different way where you become the hero right right after that like Mia finally stands up to her to say stop picking on me and immediately she's like well we're not friends anymore I'm throwing your friendship bracelet in the dirt she like can't take any kind of pushback whatsoever and then of course Mia folds again and is like okay fine let me tell you what's really going on so she tells her that she's a princess and then she chills out then she's like oh this is great and then she's like nice to her again. Yeah, this is great for, for me. me. And that's the only reason why I think she even stands up for her in class. I agree. But then she's like so back and forth about it because then she probably has more time to think about it and is like, oh, but this isn't going to lift me up in any way. She talked about it on her shitty radio show. Right. But then she's like walks up to her on the blacktop and is like, here's all the reasons why I think you shouldn't decide to be a princess. You're going to get too cool and popular. You're going to blah, blah, blah. Like again, all things that are like you're going to yeah. surpass me in life and probably become too popular to hang out with me essentially is what it is yeah i i just feel like there's a different way to do this like there's a way to make that character where it's kind of like cute and endearing like they know they're kind of being a jerk but they're saying it anyway right and but you really know that they have like a good heart right there's nothing in this to make it seem like they are doing anything but trying to bolster their own position correct and it's not even like you know in a kind of a subtle way where sometimes in movies where it's like oh well I guess it's your princess now she's just like you look like trash and you're a sellout and again it's another another time when like subtlety is rare in this movie because there is a subtle way just like what you're That's saying true. of like maybe like poking holes in her newly small inflated ego like little tiny you know passive aggressive jabs but no she just like goes right for the jugular for no reason I mean pretty much all of the younger characters in this movie are like a bit caricature-y like they're pretty two-dimensional Lily is the jealous friend Mandy Moore is the mean girl like Hawkeye is just the dumb Hawkeye shy moody boy oh they're just tropes yeah I mean I think that she's yeah. clearly the best character which is great if she wasn't as good as she was this would be a huge disaster thank god for her and for julie andrews being in this movie because they both have so many different colors yes. to them that like you believe again they're more fleshed out they're mm -hmm. three-dimensional characters that you can actually care about and everybody else is kind of just like all right who gives a fuck which honestly maybe is like why it's so believable that she can just like piss out of her life and go to genovia and not give a shit about <laughs> what she's point. leaving yeah. behind because right. everybody there kind of sucks <laughs> 
Yeah. Mandy Moore is like, we're not allowed to wear hats in class. So Mia has to take it off and show everybody her beautiful new hair. Her perfect Her perfect hair. hair. And of course, like everyone flips out and is like, whoa, what it's is like she- ragging on her. What, did she get a head transplant? Looks like she got a good haircut. Yeah. Fuck, the, people. Mandy Moore is like, look who's trying to fit in now. It's like, what a weird thing to say. What a weird what? thing. To, as if- Mia is somebody like Lily, who's like actively rooting against the popular people constantly. She's not. Right. It, you know, she's just been quiet this whole time. So it also sounds like a reference to something else, but it's not. No. Like if she was like, you're just trying to fit in, it's like, oh, look who's trying to fit in now. There's <laughs> this just right. it's no, it comes reference to nothing. Really out of nowhere. So we find out that somebody has released the word about Mia. Cameras are everywhere. We find out that Paolo sold them out, which is like pretty funny. Yeah. And also like I guess because he needed to take credit for it. I don't know, because he keeps saying it. I mean, it wasn't about the money. I didn't get any money. I mean, I got a little money. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> that's such a funny part. I thought there'd be more repercussions for that. That seems like a Dude, pretty big thing. Dude, he signed an NDA. <laughs> yeah, right. Like the fact that he was him. back at the end of the movie to help her get ready, I was like, mm, that's not how that NDAs happen. work. <laughs> Your ass is getting sued by a country. Yeah. You done, son. And they've got that pair money. <laughs> they can just keep going and litigate forever all that green all that green pears <laughs> we now have a fancy state dinner to go to and there's like this horrific couple there that looks straight out of like a tim burton movie kind of like the wife looks like she's from raw dolls witches yeah yeah and they just make sort of an offhanded comment that's like we own genovia once and we'll do it again he's talking about how she's gonna now be like wearing the crown next is that like a reference to the independence maybe i'm guessing like, which is kind of weird that that how would that work? why why are they even around if they want independence from them i don't know you would think that's like inviting king george to a fourth of july party right, right. Like, <laughs> i don't understand but, so i'm also like so they say the country will cease to exist if she turns it down but effectively what will happen is these people will now own it so i guess it will still kind of exist but just i don't know maybe another country takes it back yeah i mean it's not like people are going to like disappear in a cloud of smoke they'll still be there right. without me another pretend country will just take it back over but that's kind <laughs> right, of weird yeah. to just be like well we ran out of air, so America belongs to England again. <laughs> Seems here in our bylaws, yeah, we give it to Natasha nobody, and Boris. Yeah, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Rocky and Bullwinkle. Literally, yes. That's like being like, well, nobody ran for president this year, so we're part of England again. <laughs> right. Like, it makes no sense. Which not a lot of people know, but that is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right. The more you know. This state dinner does not go well. Things are going clumsily at best, aka she literally lights a man on fire. There's that moment where there's like the palate cleanser. I don't know what that is. It looks like ice cream to me, so she takes like a big bite of it. It looks like lime sorbet, which sounds Yeah, great, or like a mint something. it's not. So she like eats it like yeah. a big scoop of ice cream and then freaks out and then like the other couple next to her does the same thing to protect her kind of or like make her not look so weird but this scene works if like you're eating something you've never had before it's like what if you never had ice cream like you don't aren't aware of how cold ice cream is that's what their concern is they go she doesn't know it's frozen quick like let's do it with her and it's like yeah. i think she knows what ice cream looks like she's like an alien right what did she just think it was like a thick warm yogurt <laughs> i just don't understand like she just I don't like, know what she thought she was eating. Has like a full blown attack about the, the coldness of this. Yes, yeah, she's like banging on the table, and they're like mirroring everything she's doing. Strange and scene. 
which again, like, again, not saving her from embarrassment, just making a bigger scene. Yes. And then the guy sitting next to her gives a toast to the Baron and Baroness and says to him, may you always be Baron, which I was like, okay, Jesus Christ. Like, that's one of those, like, okay, this yeah. is a joke for adults only. Like, kids don't get this one. But also, like, why are we making a joke about people being barren just to have a joke that adults can get? Like, that's fucking not a good joke. That's know. a very sensitive topic for people. I don't get the point people. of it, yeah. But whatever. Fucking strange choice. <laughs> Mia then trips this drunk guy and a whole chain of events unfurls where people are falling into their food and grapes are flying around but everybody starts to laugh. It kind of breaks the ice. So it's like, all right, we're starting to infuse a little fun into politics. Julie Andrews decides like, you know, they could lighten things up a little bit. So the next day she decides to cancel Princess Lessons and let Mia give her a tour of San Francisco in her Mustang with the top down. I love these montages in movies Me where too. royal people are going around doing poor people things. Things and, like don't yes. know what any normal objects are. They're just like touching everything. Like, oh, what is this? And you know what? There's a possibility that that's pretty accurate based on what we've learned now, sort of about like the royal family. But I think that there's some movies that do it better than others. Like Coming to America is like a perfect example of some a movie that does it perfectly. Right. Uh, I do. I do like these yes. scenes, so I don't hold it against it. Like I'll I'll take I'll take a oh, bunch of yeah. these scenes. Oh yeah, they're super fun. But I just was like, why does she feel the need to touch everything? Everything. Like she's never seen it before. <laughs> like it's like know. a little mermaid scenario where it's like, ooh, fork. Like, you know, right. it's just a, she's a queen. She's not an invalid. Yeah. I really wanted her to just like start playing basketball with like <laughs> <laughs> just hop on the court. These are a few of my yeah. favorite things. She just starts balling it up. <laughs> also, like on what planet does the queen of any country get to get in a piece of shit car with her 15 year old granddaughter? With zero secret service detail. Yeah, I mean, you'd think that there'd be a scene here where it's like, oh, ma'am, you know we can't do that. It's like, actually, you know what? I'm going to spend some time with my granddaughter. But it's not even like there's not even the possibility that there would be more <laughs> more security or anything like that. Anything or like at least following behind, you know, How small something. is this country? Like, does but anyone give a shit? Clearly nobody knows who she is. Like, you know, like if you saw the Queen of England doing the arm wrestle machine <laughs> in the arcade, you'd be like, first you'd probably be like, am I fucking hot? Yeah, and then right. you'd be like, I truly don't know what I would do if I saw the queen in an arcade. I've never really thought about kidnapping anyone, but I might like my first thought. <laughs> Until yeah, now? I feel like if there's one time that you should kidnap someone, maybe that's the time. <laughs> With what? Oh my God. <laughs> What's the end goal here? We're about to lose our entire British listenership. I show her around Philadelphia and we become friends and then the bond of our two great nations grows. Oh. And like eventually, you know, I have to give her back and they're gonna, there's about to be some bad repercussions. <laughs> but I think she's like, no, you know what? This was the right thing to do. And this was the only way I was going to be able to experience this. Right. At the beginning, she's like, you brute. And then by the end, she's like, but I don't want to go. <laughs> I want to stay yes, here exactly, in Philadelphia right. with you. She's wearing all my clothes and like <laughs> petting my dog and watching shitty television. She's like, no, this you gotta is better. got to get out of here, queen. <laughs> You gotta get out of here. Come on. Come on. Can't you see I don't want you anymore? <laughs> right. Go. Just go. Go. Get out of here. <laughs> she runs back into the woods. Oh, it's like a fox and the hound scenario. Yeah. yeah. Air bud. Another good reason why we don't allow the queen of a country out with her 15-year-old granddaughter in her shit can car 
is because they can't make it up any of the hills in San Francisco. They slide backwards down this hill and crash into a trolley. And then a nun whips out a cell phone to call 911. (laughs) So the cops are going to take me to jail. But luckily, Julie Andrews makes up some weird shit about this like knighthood thing in Genovia to honor the cop and the trolley driver so that they'll chill out. And it like just totally works. If we had forgotten that Genovia wasn't a real place, this really hammered it home. It's like even the movie movie thinks it's a fake place. Right. The cop and the trolley driver are like, sorry, old lady, doesn't really matter what you say. We're taking your granddaughter downtown. Where if like, if it was the actual princess, the queen and a, and a princess of England, they'd be like, oh, yeah, no, I mean, do what you got to do. Uh, if it was a regular person, they would just be like, you're not going to jail. You're just- Yeah, you're a 15 year old with a, fine. yeah, with a permit, <laughs> like- you're just going to call the cops and get this. And maybe we could like figure it out without any. <laughs> right. <laughs> You'll pay some damages probably. Yeah. But like, yeah, you're, you're not going prison. to jail. <laughs> and when she clearly, she's holding her emergency brake in her hand. Like clearly right. this was not her fault. Her car Accidents is a piece happen. of shit. <laughs> like, these are steep hills yeah. and nobody was hurt. So That's they're great. like, your license expired 45 years ago. She's like, licenses don't expire in Genovia. <laughs> and I was like, by this logic, you could literally say anything. Right. Murder is legal in Genovia. Right. <laughs> we hit trolleys on purpose in Genovia. <laughs> Crashing in trolleys. Yeah. Like she could just, I was waiting for a song the whole time I was waiting I for tell. a song. I saw that look in your eyes. Crashing in trolleys and hitting on policemen. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking the butler. <laughs> We didn't get that song, but you're getting it now on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we get out of that scenario. Now she's famous. Hot Dude Josh asks her to go to the beach party with him on Saturday night. She's also committed to two other plans, one with Lily and one with Lily's brother. And then she literally goes to the brother to brag about her date with Josh. Are we really supposed to believe that she doesn't know that he likes her? I guess like part of the thing, and like we hear this at the end, is like she's so kind of wrapped up in her own shit around like feeling invisible and feeling like a loser that like maybe she really is just kind of that like weirdly, not self-absorbed, absorbed in the way where she's just so self-aware and self-conscious that she's really only focusing on herself. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely believe, you know, how could someone like me? Like, I'm such a mess or something like that. That would make sense. Right. Also, like, typically you wouldn't entertain that because it's your best friend's brother. Also, if you hate your best friend, it's totally fine. That's true. Your friend totally deserves it. If your friend sucks, ditch the friend and date the brother. This is a great scenario for her. Now she doesn't have to be friends with Lily and she gets to be with the lead singer Rooney. Exactly. They can go on tour to Genovia. And to the OC. And to the OC. So we get this. She's getting ready to go to the pool party and get this weird convo with her mom about how she might get her first kiss from Josh at the beach party. Like, I don't know any teenage girl that's having that conversation with their mother. I don't know. Well, she's wacky. She's an oddball. She's you know? crazy. She's... They don't have the same rules. She's a princess. And she hopes that she gets her first kiss and gets the foot pop, which became such a cultural phenomenon of like, if it's a really good romantic kiss, your foot pops like in a romantic movie. I have to say, I, I really like the sentiment behind this. I think it's really cute. I wouldn't say it's a pop. It's like a lift. Yeah, to pop your foot sounds like an injury or like a hip hop move. Right. Pop and locking. Yeah. That kiss was so good. You just like. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> like, 
because it's so good I had to do the worm. <laughs> the guy's like, whoa, okay. It's like, is this not romantic? <laughs> Put a ring on it. So- <laughs> It's true love. (laughs) Oh, man, I am psyched. (laughs) So Lily is doing her cable access show that she does and is fully expecting Mia to come on the show. And she just never shows up because she's at the beach sailing with Josh, who, by the way, broke up with Mandy Moore. They're slow dancing, carrying on while Mandy Moore is like grilling Mm. them and then also does her infamous stupid Cupid performance. which again is like really, oh. I think they're just shoehorning the scenario in which Mandy Moore can do a song. Totally, yes. But like, why that song? I don't understand why that song. It's like a super cutesy song, which will probably be playing right now. She's got a lot of like, woo, woos in it. I don't know what those are. Oh, like stupid Cupid? (laughs) Like, (laughs) ew. That felt gross to do. Stupid Cupid, stop it, you know me. Yeah, yeah, that's what I yes, mean. Yeah, very cutesy, <laughs> but like, well, it's the classic pop star in the 90s thing where it's like, I'm just a baby, but I'm gonna still suck your dick. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, just, right. like, that was like the whole vibe of <laughs> female pop stars in the 90s. It's also very like Betty Boop, that kind of thing too. Yes, totally. Yeah. It has to be said that Lily's podcast is called Shut Up and Listen. Yeah, that sounds, like, oh, that's perfect. totally on brand for her. She's just like fucking, I don't even want to say like she gives women a bad name, but she just gives <laughs> people <laughs> a bad name. <laughs> She's a representative of all women. <laughs> like that's a bummer. I mean, I'm sure the same way you feel when like another straight white dude fucks something up. All like, the time. <laughs> all yeah, all at the least time. daily. Yeah. You're like, God, we're the worst. And, you know, women, like, it's an uphill battle. So when just one of us is a fucking, ugh, is is bad, it's like, come on. We've been working so hard. Yeah, but then Anne Hathaway is, like, battling on the other side of that where you're like, oh, you're so charming. Well, on screen, she's apparently, like, kind of a bitch in her life, but. Damn it, that makes sense to me. Maybe not. Maybe just it's hard to fucking be a celebrity and people are obnoxious and there are times where you're just like, give me some privacy. Totally. You know, and if you're listening, which we know that you are. You've got to be. We're going to give you the opportunity to prove it. Come on the podcast, clear the air. But if you don't come on. You're guilty until proven innocent. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Come on the podcast if you are nice. And if you're mean, don't reach out to us at all. And that's how we'll know. You have 24 hours. (laughs) Correct. The clock starts now. We are at the beach having fun until a helicopter comes and crashes the party. It's a news chopper and they're filming Mia and Josh takes her into this little shed. He goes in to kiss her, but her foot is stuck in a volleyball net and won't pop. Honestly, I was kind of proud of her in that moment for being like, Josh, like this is not romantic. Like I don't want to kiss you like this. Like that was kind of cool as opposed to just like, this is my dream dude. I'm just going to settle for whatever this is because I probably would have back then. Agreed because also there's such a fine line between romantic and not romantic like if they were to say like wow that was really romantic i'd be like okay so it was just a, how you felt in the moment like there's nothing about the scenario totally that's not romantic if it had been like my big crush i could have been standing in a barrel of live fish and been like let's get it on yeah i agree you know i could be covered in poop and it was still <laughs> i'd be like this is I've always imagined it like this. You'd be like, this is fine. They'd be like, this is not romantic. Go clean yourself up. You're like, oh, just the way you said it in my dreams. <laughs> You'd be like, 
this is so romantic. They'd be like, what smells like shit? <laughs> you lean in and it's like, it's because we're covered in it. <laughs> That's a really different movie. Yeah, yeah. Disney passed on that one for whatever reason, if you can believe it. <laughs> Idiots. Yeah. So <laughs> the helicopters are gone. And then he takes her outside and they get attacked again by the paparazzi. And they're like, kiss her. And he grabs her and basically forces a smooch on her. She takes off her foam flip floppy and smacks him right in the head, runs away. So we're like, okay, Josh is dead to us. Then Mandy Moore, they like are like, come in here, Mia. We have your clothes. Come change in this little changing tent from the 1920s. <laughs> and then she goes in there to change and they call the paparazzi and then knock the tent over. So IRL, she would be naked. Yeah, and they would have gone to prison. She's 15 years old. <laughs> and that is kind of the way I wish the movie went. And somehow, apparently, this is her right. fault, too. Yeah. Like. All these pictures make the paper, and Grandma is pissed. But even then, like you said, like her being pissed is her being like, well, that was embarrassing. <laughs> like, it's just and like Joe comes in so fast. He's like, I think you're out of line. She's like, yes. Very out of line. Perhaps I was a little harsh on her. Like, yeah, Joe puts Graham on her place, which is like, I don't, I think that's a little out of line. Again, unless you've been fucking for years. Yes, right. But I don't think you have been. I know, I think in the sequel, they are like a proper couple and he's like not working for her anymore. I wish they were just a couple right. and he still had to do those duties. <laughs> She's like, good night, dear. But that will be all. Thank you. Right. <laughs> I said, that will be all. <laughs> He's like, but I didn't come yet. Do I have to say it three times? Off with his head. <laughs> no more head. <laughs> Your head privileges are cut off. <laughs> that's how we rule in modern times. Yeah, that's how it works in Genovia. So that ball, it's coming up. She invites Lily to go, and then she invites Moby Brother to the Genovian ball, and he's basically pissed at her which you know what seems kind of unfair i mean granted yeah she blew him off but she didn't not just not show up she told him she had other plans number one number two he's never technically asked her out or told her how he feels and even when he invited her she said like a date and he said no yeah i agree i like i was trying to figure this out and it was like i was trying to figure out why he's so mad and i was reading it was like because he's still heartbroken over mia's initial dismissal it's like was it a dismissal she just was like hey this big thing came up if we're just going to work on my car we could do that anytime right, so like right. i feel like he's being a little bit sensitive he's being mopey boy in a band from high school which we all knew them mopey dick mopey dick we mm -hmm. <laughs> we all knew those guys that were just like yeah whatever it's cool and then on their away message it's like come on wrist and black my Yes. Like, you know, that was you know. me. <laughs> <laughs> what was your band called? Argument Clinic. Argument Clinic. I also had, uh, we made a. Slow down donkey sounds. <laughs> yeah, slow down donkey sounds. Uh, Throwback. What, what was the one that we were doing? Oh, uh, Perpetual Boner, too. Yeah, he's just that fucking dude. And so he's just like, I consider myself royally flushed. Walks out. We're back at school. Mandy Moore's being a little beach. Mia finally, like, stands up for herself and shoves an ice cream cone straight into her tits and is, like, kind of really rubbing it in there. It's like, gets a little erotic. Like, if if you play that scene in slow motion. We got a different movie, yeah. It would not be G-rated, I'll tell you that. Also, she doesn't move back. No, she just at all. stands she there. She like pushes herself in yeah, there. Well. And then she like flicks her tongue out a little bit like she wants <laughs> oh, to like, did, taste So you, I think it. you did watch this in slow motion is what it sounds I like. Did, Emily, Emily was like, did she just stick her tongue out? I, was like, I don't know what was going on. She's like, no, no. <laughs> right. 
one guy's like, Lana got coned. <laughs> Lana got coned, which is like the weirdest chant ever. And then about. the porno version of this being Lana got boned, where that ice cream just, now I have to take off my cheerleading mm. uniform. Like, it's just too easy. Way right, too it's easy. The, only the introduction. Anyway, grandma gives her an early birthday present. It's a diary from her dead dad. And at this point, she is decidedly turning down the princess ship. Grandma tells her she has to formally renounce her title in front of the press at the ball. And she's like, given my history with speeches, maybe I shouldn't. And grandma's like, well, you wouldn't stop driving. Sorry. She's like, well, you wouldn't stop driving your Mustang because you've hit a few bugs. And it's like, no, but me, I don't know why that's the example when it's like, she should have just been like, you wouldn't stop driving your Mustang just because you fully crashed it into a trolley full of people. (laughs) (laughs) Like like that's, you had the perfect metaphor. (laughs) This totally freaks Mia out. And she's just like, well, that's it. I'm running away. So she's packing up all of her shit. She opens up this diary and a letter falls out from her father. And it's basically a letter very conveniently written about being brave. You know, he says something like, the brave may not live forever, but the cautious do not live at all. Yeah. I actually like this part where they're, I mean, it's a little like weirdly like hazy him, you know, the flashback is like odd. They're not like really showing his face. It starts with her narrating it and then goes to him narrating it. But I think the sentiment is nice. Definitely. And like, well, it's funny because so we see a photograph of him earlier in the movie. And that picture is actually of Anne Hathaway's real dad. Really? Yes. So for me, I was kind of like, well, we already know what he looks like. So why don't you just put him in that scene? That might be her dad. I don't know. know. It might be just him from behind. But it seems like they are trying to like shield his face a little bit. Maybe it just adds to the mystery around his presence because he's dead. I don't fucking know. But he writes a very lovely letter to her. So she's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to go. She takes her fucked up car. And of course, it breaks down in the pouring rain. And luckily, they kind of figure out that she's given everybody the mm-hmm. runaround. So Joe finds her and saves her. She's also delivered a pizza to Moody Brother with M&Ms on it that spell out sorry, which for him is like, I guess that's all he needed, more than a verbal apology, to get him to decide to go. Which was a callback to the... When he was playing the piano with the with all M&Ms. the M and M's on the keyboard, he must really like M and M's. I guess that's they really thing. hammered it home in that scene. They showed him playing with the M and M's like five times. They kept zooming in on his fingers, like being like, "Ugh, trying to play," and I just Ugh, can't clumsily just like doing that. I was thinking that maybe on first cut they were like, "I don't think people are going to remember this," so they're like, "Add more right shots more of M- him playing with the, <laughs> the M and M's." We need this to make sense later on. When everyone's like, ew, why the fuck are there M&M's on that pizza? Couldn't you have spelled that with pepperoni? <laughs> right. Why don't you just play with, like piano with a bunch of pepperonis and then it would be like... <laughs> then we could make the pizza make sense. Either way, it's going to be Something's got to make sense here. Yeah. Like, thank you so much, everybody. This has been Meat Fingers. <laughs> have a good night. Anyway, we have very limited time because if she doesn't get there on time grandma will announce that she renounces the crown and then the gross baron and his gross wife will take over the country again the mom is at the ball with the teacher who's like don't worry she'll be here like they've been in a serious relationship now you the timelines in this movie are not super clear but well there might i think it's like the ball is in two weeks or so you know it's like something like that so i don't fucking know now the teacher's like 
all up in their business. <laughs> so she gets there just in time. She's drenched. She's like wearing a sweatshirt. But she gives a whole speech about how she is yeah. going to claim the throne. And she has been so worried about herself. And she wants to now do right by people outside of herself. I think this is the best acting that she does in the movie i think this is really good for sure yeah i would agree it's a lovely speech and lily is in the audience crying and julie andrews is glistening and give me those crocodile tears lily shut yeah. up fuck you they finally get her dried off and changed she's in this beautiful tiara and this gown it's time to dance and then michael shows up to dance with mia my husband at this point walks into the room and said yeah mike nice sideburns fuck me <laughs> <laughs> I was like, honestly, yeah. yeah. He had some fucking thick ass sideburns going on and I wasn't mad at it. And that's a quality input. Like if you're gonna have a comment, <laughs> I think that that's that the one it. the yeah. one comment on the whole movie. So I felt I should share. And they're like out in the courtyard and he's just like, Why me? Which I was like Fish it for compliments. As opposed to like, you look beautiful tonight. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good speech. <laughs> she's like, I'm in a fucking gown. Why me? <laughs> anyway. And she's like, because you saw me when I was invisible. We finally get the kiss. Her foot pops. It also hits a switch that powers on the entire garden. So the fountains are going and the fairy lights click on. And it's super romantic. They're all dancing at the ball. And now she's on a private jet moving to their palace in Genovia. And is basically like, all right, well, fully giving up my life in america i guess my friends will come visit me in the summer and i'm gonna go be a fucking motherfucking princess now bitch she pretty much in no uncertain terms says like see you guys in princess diaries too <laughs> like yeah literally yeah. which to me it's like again like your life sucked so bad this whole time you could have just been like i don't even have to go to high school anymore I can peace yeah, out right. on a private jet and move into a palace. It's like, all right, we could have gotten to this sooner. Like the first day, it's like, all right, so what what kind of laws are we uh we got right, here? Right. <laughs> like, what, what's the So <laughs> what is all of this about? What is this country? <laughs> like where is it located? M&Ms on pizza for everybody. How first do I edict. speak this yeah. weird garbled language that you've created? <laughs> I don't think a princess does much to be honest. Like so. They're like, hush now, dear. There's time for that later. Eat your pears. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she goes she goes there it's like a hellscape of like just indentured servitude of picking, picking pears, pears. Like, why the fuck did i do this green pears and large pears and small pears and pears <laughs> and it's just that's all there is it's too many pears it's too many pears princess diaries too too many pears <laughs> <laughs> too many pears okay you've got her and michael the queen <laughs> the butler a lot of pears in there <laughs> that's true the mom and the teacher. The mom and the teacher, yeah. Too many pairs. Final thoughts and ratings. In talking this movie through, I realized I didn't like it as much as I did. <laughs> I thought I did. Um, <laughs> it's it's easy watching, easy watch. but yeah, when you really dissect it, you're like, yeah. There's just not fine. much in there. I mean, like, I think that Julie Andrews and Anne Hathaway are, are worth it for the watch. They're great. Oh, God damn it, Roger Ebert. I mean, it is a flimsy plot. I really did. Like, it, there is some parts where you're like, all right, get to it. I, we all know what's coming. It's still a fun watch. I don't know. I, I would get why people really like this. I mean, it's such a cool opportunity. Someone's going to come and be like, you know, you've never known this, but you're you're in the lineage for this country that doesn't exist. I'm going to give this movie four dishes of lime sorbet out of ten. 
I agree with all of that. I think upon further inspection, this is the kind of movie that should probably be left alone and not <laughs> <laughs> like just not looked into. Um, because again, like it's yeah, it's light and sweet, like lime sorbet, but <laughs> it's a palate. You don't cleanser. want it for dinner. You know what I mean? No. Like. You do. It's a. It's kind of a palate cleanser movie. You know what I mean. You kind of just like it's easy watching, and it's like you watch it between like Shawshank Redemption and Titanic when you just need like a little break. Dumbo. Right. You just need a little break. So, but again, like uh, Julie Andrews is just an absolute delight in everything she does. She's just an effortlessly stunning human being, and I would watch her in anything. So, and Anne Hathaway has a great debut in this. It clearly launched her very, very far. So I'm going to give this movie four and a half pairs, obviously. Oh, I was really expecting you to say pears. Oh, man. I really dropped the ball there. Also, maybe it's pear sorbet. Oof. Dropped the ball See, that's what I thought because like everything they served that night is green. And I just thought it it was like a green soup and then a green sorbet and then just pears on a plate. Too many pears. Too (laughs) Too many many. pears. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Millennial Movie Club. Don't forget to eat your pears. There you go. Thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Movie Club. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and write us a glowing review. We are millennials. We kind of need the validation. For even more goodies, be sure to follow Millennial Movie Club on TikTok and Instagram. Later Later days. days.